Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. To stay uh, up to date on our upcoming schedule, you'll want to be a part of our weekly email list. Swing by boothbesties.com and shoot us a message with your email, and we'll get you added. And if you haven't joined our VO Booth Besties Facebook group, Join us there too. We love your questions. So if you have a question as the interview goes on, we're still kind of working out the kinks uh, in this LinkedIn live audio situation. So you can shoot us a message on LinkedIn. You can try to put it in the comment section of this event and we'll do our best to fit it in. Now, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Over to you, JT. Thank you very much. Forced by federal law to retire at age 56. Rodney began his research into voice acting in 2008. After one school and a handful of local and national coaches, he decided to pursue audiobooks in 2014. Rodney took the very first ACX masterclass given by David H. Lawrence, the 17th, and received an offer to produce his first book in March of 2014, which is like amazing. Over 230 titles later, he enjoys producing from his home in Portland, Tennessee, a small farming community north of Nashville. He and his wife, Julie, homeschooled their 16-year-old daughter, Riley, while enjoying a quiet life in the country in about 10 acres with his closest neighbor being well outside leaf blower herring range. That's amazing. (laughs) I would love that. If you know, you know. Rodney specializes in historical fiction and nonfiction based in the post-Civil War South and West, where he's able to use his natural Southern accent to tell stories of Cowboys, soldiers, town tamers, rustlers, stagecoach drivers, and every now and then, a zombie and a mojo man. Rodney, I we're practically neighbors. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, but I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina, and the mountains were my backyard playground. So I can appreciate the amazing childhood your daughter has been gifted with. And it's, uh, it's amazingly fun. Yeah, it's a good life. It is a good life. Uh, sadly, my neighbor is much closer than 10 acres, and he uses his leaf blower more than his car. So uh, I can't relate to you there, sadly. But we want to dive into all things audiobooks. So obviously you record at home. So you you set up a studio before it was the rage, right? Let's talk I, about that a little bit. Tell us what I your did. studio looks like and your I process. I'm fortunate enough, uh, we moved uh, into this home in 2009 uh, when um, Riley was just not even two yet. Um, And we had uh, decided we needed to move uh, out of the country. Uh, She's special needs and we needed to get somewhere where we could uh, give her space and uh, be able to handle her needs. And then, because I didn't care, I mean, I, I drove an hour to work in an hour home and it didn't, I, I just don't care. You know, I'm, I'm going to work, who cares? Um, and the hour home gave me time to cool down from, from what my, my job was. Um, and, um, when I, when we picked the home, we picked it because of its size and the land, 
because my my wife's I'm a city boy. My wife's a farm girl. Uh, she grew up in East Tennessee, and she's always had acreage and cows and horses and everything else. Um, so she kind of picked the place. And again, I just didn't care. I want my family to be happy, and you know, I just wanted to do what I could do to to uh, facilitate that. So uh, we moved in here, and uh, fortunate enough to me for me, the um, upstairs, one of the upstairs bedrooms has a very long uh, walk-in closet. And I decided to use it both as an office and a booth. So I just uh, built in at the uh, back of the the closet a um, uh, a booth. It's probably, you know, five foot by four foot, five foot by five foot maybe. Um, I put some treatment in it, carpeted the walls, um, put my iMac in it, got a mic, uh, reached out to an audio engineer that's uh, world famous, George Whittem. Uh, he helped me uh, set it up the very first time, um, and I hit the ground running, and I've been going ever since. Sounds like you went straight to the expert at the beginning, which is a mistake a lot of people don't even know they're making, right? Like they don't realize the resources that are out there. Going to George probably saved you so much headache with your studio setup, didn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, when I was, I was gifted a microphone by my father before he passed away. So, you know, I, I'm fortunate to have the fancy $3,000 Neumann U87. Um, not everybody gets that, but, but when George found out I had that, he said, okay, we need to, you know, fix things because your setup is wrong for that mic. So let's fix it. So, and because of that, and that was probably in 2010, um, I have gone to George every spring uh, for what I call the uh, annual studio booth cleanup. And, you know, I spend 15, 20 minutes with George. He listens to what I have to say. He, I send him a, a raw wave file. He'll tell me what I need to tweak, if anything. I've been fortunate the last three years. He said, okay, what are we going to waste our time talking about today? Because everything sounds fine. And then we get the chance, you know, then we just chat and catch up and that's it. But, um, yeah, it, uh, if you, one of, one of my very, one of my top five things to do for narrators is, is, uh, learn to research. Um, and having done my research, I reached out to George and there's probably a, a good half dozen people that can do that in the industry. But a lot of people believe that cutting costs in that area is uh, a place to um, effectively shortcut. But if you shortcut that area and you begin to send your work out with, uh, with bad sound, then um, the people that you're trying to get work from will remember you. And then you, you probably won't get work again until you can prove that you've improved your space. I, um, when I first started, I, was, I started out in audiobooks and, and I was in my closet and I distinctly remember standing at Walmart in front of the selection of egg crate mattresses, right, thinking that sure. I could staple that to my wall and it would solve my problem. And, and there was just this little voice that said, maybe you should research this first. And I'm really grateful to that little voice because we all know stapling egg crate mattresses to your walls does nothing for your actual soundproofing. Maybe it teensy bit for your acoustic yeah. treatment, right? But right. we we need to go to the experts. That's great. And I love your idea of a yearly tune-up. Like we tune up our car, our AC, sure. like why not 
why not check out our space and if things have changed and you know our voices change and it's and just we a have, good idea. Uh, and he's uh, he's changed my equipment uh, uh, three times now. Oh, that's see. You know, then so it definitely needs to be know, done. Um, and it does. It needs to be done, and it needs to be done because you need good, effective, reliable equipment. And reliable is the, I think, the most important word. Because uh, you don't want to be in the middle of a session. You don't want to be in the middle of a book. You don't want to be in the middle of anything and begin to have things break down. And when you're generally a voice actor, uh, whether it be audiobooks or commercials or e-learning or whatever you happen to be doing, you don't want to have to waste client time trying to break down, okay, is it my mic? Is it a cord? Is it the the interface? Is it something else? What's going on? So um, I try to get all this stuff done and, um, you know, keep that, keep that in mind and go to the experts so I can get it done uh, properly and effectively. Well, and I just want to jump in, not to make this the George Wedham show, but <laughs> one of the things that George, and for everyone, is so good at, he he's very practical you know what does he always say ab if it sounds good it is good or you know what i mean like he's not the guy who's trying to just make the buck for the sake of making a buck or saying hey you should upgrade for this when you don't need to he's very practical and is in his advice which i like so anyway that was what i wanted to jump in and share yes and we if anybody is interested in who else they can reach out to as well we have some great recommendations. Just reach out to one of the besties. Um, but we do like when you're when you're trying to check out your setup. We do like to start with George. Um, all right, so Rodney, one thing yes. that a lot of voice actors who've never done an audiobook don't understand because there's a lot of people who've never done one is the no way of, yeah is the <laughs> amount of prep work that goes into it beforehand. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that prep work looks like for you? Sure. Um, as I said before, um, research, become a great researcher. You must become a great researcher. Uh, you must be able to take advantage of Google and, and every other resource you can find, be it friends, neighbors, whatever you need um, when you're prepping a book. Now, for me, when I prep my books, I read them from cover to cover, one time through, um, and as I'm doing that, I have a legal page and I take notes. Um, I take notes on each character. I take notes on um, how that character and how the author says uh, that character feels about themselves. I take notes on how that character feels about the other characters, how that character behaves, uh, the physical attributes, the behavioral attributes. I take notes on how all the characters interact and how they feel about each other. Um, and then that gives me a good, um, a good map for, okay, this is the kind of person this one is. This is the personality this one has. And I've found that if you provide your characters in a book, who, as Johnny Heller will tell you, characters in an audio book, don't know their characters in an audiobook. If you give them a personality, whatever the voice is supposed to be will just flop right out of your mouth naturally, uh, and you won't have to um, force it 
or make it sound something like it's not not supposed to be. But uh, I do that entire thing. And then, of course, I take notes on uh, people's names, um, places, um, anything like that. Um, I've had a lot of uh, different languages, from Spanish to French to German to um, I've even had um, Lakota. Um, it's very and, and there's a lot of resources out there for Native American languages. Um, sometimes you have to actually get permission from um, uh, tribal leaders to say, "Hey, I, this is what this narr- this author is asking me to do. Um, are you okay with it?" Um, and I was able to get um, approval one time for one book to do that. And doesn't hasn't happened again, but it it is interesting that. Um, that's the way those tribal leaders deal with it because they won't help you learn how to say it if they don't want you doing it. Um, but um, there, um, uh, there's a it, prep is very important because once you've prepped it, when it's time to sit down in the booth and actually produce the book, it just becomes much easier. And please, please, please read the entire book all the way through so that you don't get to the third chapter. And, and I did this, um, and this is why I make myself read the book. Um, and it just confirmed, yes, you're a good boy. You read the whole book. And I discovered that a young man named Julio, whose mother was Mexican, whose father was Irish, and I thought the whole way through I'd give him a little Spanish accent. It'd be cool. You find out at the end that he has an Irish accent because his his mother had passed away and his father took him back to the homeland. So you have to read the whole book because you don't want to have to go back and give Julio the proper um, accent on, on the backside because no one wants to do the 382,000 pickups of, uh, of, you know, every, every piece of poor Julio's dialogue. Wow, poor Julio. We want to make sure he gets the voice he deserves. Yes, you got to give him what he deserves. So part of developing your characters is that full read through. So you're taking mm-hmm. notes and, and paying attention to their personalities as you give them that that character voice that they, they're going to end up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. generally it's not just a, I don't give them what you'd call a character voice. I just give them attitude and behavior and personality because it's all my voice, whether it's um, my my neutral narration voice is pitched up a little higher than my natural speaking voice. I decide if there's a protagonist, who the protagonist is and what his or her age is. And, and almost all of my books have a protagonist that's male. So it's easy for me to, depending on the age, to pick a pitch that's going to be very natural for me throughout the entire course of the book, which could be anywhere from six to to 12 to 15 hours. So um, you have to be able to maintain that, that pitch and that, uh, that quality you give to that narrative. I've turned down books. Um, I turned down a book early on in my career uh, during that 2014 season um, uh, where it was a, sci-fi book and the protagonist had had a partial injury to his throat and the author kept wanting me to grovel and 
make it mm-hmm. really grindy. And I just said, I'm, you're going to have to find somebody else because that's not something I'm going to be maintaining, you know, through a 10 hour book, just not good for my voice. So. Yeah. yeah so there's some level to... of knowing your limits. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, one of the things that is unique about you and that makes me like to listen to your voice even just in this conversation is your southern and to me it's not it's not deep south southern but just enough of a hint of southern drawl uh so some people will say that's a drawback an accent is a drawback but you've managed to capitalize on it and use it to your advantage so can you talk a little bit to people who want to use their authentic voice to their advantage sure i work i actually began my first 2 or 3 years trying to figure out how not to sound Southern. Um, and I wasn't getting any work. I couldn't get any work. During during um, the ACX master class, um, David H. Lawrence, I went back and listened to the recording of it I, in, in order to keep myself up to speed on, you know, remind myself of the things that I learned in class. And something that he had said after I did a reading um, hit me. He said, uh, and and this is and, and this class was centered around new folks who'd never narrated, getting involved, building a profile on ACX, how to how to make ACX, you know, work well for you. So I I listened to it and he and he said, and it struck me. I was driving and I just had heard it initially and it just never hit me. But he said, if Rodney will. Um, audition for things that's that are centered around a southern accent he's going to get most of them <laughs> and i i thought wow i you know i i can't i can't believe i didn't hear that uh, or why it didn't register properly so i went back and i began to tweak my um settings on my you know acx search and i just started searching stuff for uh, southern um, I'd search for Western accents, uh, you know, American Western, American Southern, some American Midwest and a, and a general American. Um, and I got stuck in myself where I actually had too much work and I had to stop auditioning. So it was a good problem to have, but it's also something I learned that, okay, don't overload yourself because then your client's going to think you can't do the work. Um, so, um, then in 2015, I met up with uh, Celia Siegel um, for a branding effort, and she convinced me that taking advantage of my southern accent and my uh, natural drawl and my natural way of speaking would would be advantageous to my overall career. So when she and her team uh, built my website, my first tagline that she created and I still have it is one uh, a one trick voice this good is exactly what you need. Um, because I had a, um, I reached out after a couple of coaches um, asked me to, I reached out to a, um, a publisher, a very popular publisher um, who had been around for a long time and a casting director within that. And they, two different coaches said, tell this casting director I said to call. So I emailed this guy, this person, uh, um, a man, and I said, been in the industry forever. Um, Hi, how are you? Jay Rodney Turner gave introduction. 
um, these two coaches uh, have recommended that I reach out to you, blah, 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 blah. Um, and his response a couple of days later was, yeah, I know your work, but uh, you kind of just do one thing and that's all you do. And I emailed back and I said, yes, sir, you're correct. And I'm really good at it. You have a good day. Um, and, I, you know, I, I've never looked back. Um, I'm, I'm getting plenty of work. Um, yeah, I only work with one publisher and I have a couple of independent authors that I work with. Um, I still get plenty of work for me. Um, and I enjoy this work. You know, I've, I've been a cowboy fan since I was a kid. Um, you know, so, um, it's, I think embracing who you are, not trying to fit the square peg into a round hole until you get established. And, and even at 230 plus books, I still feel like a beginner on days. Um, there's still things I think, oh man, I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to get this right. Or it's just not going to work out, you know, like I want it to, but it always does. Um, so you have to also have confidence in who you are and just not try to be something you're not. You know, I'm, I'll never be Scott Brick. I'll never be Johnny Heller and I'll never be Chanel and Brett. Um, all three of those guys are, are good guys and people I've coached with. But they are never going to be me. They are never going to get the Westerns that I get, nor would they pro- probably want them. But but I know I'm not competing with them. You're, you're not. Don't think you're competing with other folks. I mean, I don't know what it's like in the other genres of voiceover. Um, but the audiobook community is just a welcoming, loving we want you to be as successful as you can be. We want you to be even more successful than we are. Uh, all of my coaches are like that. Every one of them that I've had um, cheer me on. Um, uh, and it's just uh, just that kind of community. There's no backfighting. There's no, oh, I'm, I got to get this, so I don't want to tell them about it. Um, I've had coaches send me jobs when um, someone reached out to them for the work and they've told the people, no, this guy's voice is probably better for it. Um, so yeah, um, it works. And being you is never wrong. Never wrong. I love that. Being you is never wrong. And you know, when you said, I'm never going to be Scott Brick, I'm never going to be, I, I'm like, but they're never going to be you. And then you said it. And, <laughs> and that's really, you know, I, I think that's one thing that we have to learn early on in our career is that there's a voice for every project and there's a project for every voice and, and you, you can't try to be something you're not. So um, now let's, I want to, we're going to go into some technical questions and I'm going to turn it over to JT because she is our amazing technical guru. So sure. Let me say one more thing uh, to follow, just, just to wrap that piece up. I am convinced that the work that belongs to you will always come to you in the right time. That's beautiful. And I have heard that from uh, Deb Sperling on more than one occasion. And I'm always like, yeah, I know. I just, I'm not patient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not good at waiting. Most, for of, us, most of us aren't. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of our, our technical geek. And okay. I do a lot of, I, 
I've never tackled an audiobook, but I do a lot of e-learning and long form narration. And I know my answer, but I'm curious with the hours and hours of recording that you do for your books, are you a clicker guy or a punch and roll or something else? What's your process? I started out with David H. Lawrence's the seventeenth, the his what he calls the the stair step method, using audacity. Oh. At the time, audacity didn't have a punch and roll feature, um, and it was record. Then, when you made a mistake, you hit stop, you hit fast forward. Then, when you recorded again, you recorded back to the beginning of the sentence you were on. And then it would drop down a new track at the bottom. And then when you finish that chapter, you started at the end and then just cut and paste all the way back backwards. Um, it was a, it was really good. Once you learned it, you get your muscle memory, you learn all this stuff and boy, I was just flying. And then, um, at a, um, New England, uh, narrator retreat that Johnny Heller runs, I ran into Stephen J. Cohen, um, another brilliant narrator, um, who recommended OSEN Audio, O-C-E-N Audio. So I began to use it. I followed his YouTube video. I hired him for an hour so he could help me set it up. And um, I've been using its punch and roll feature feature ever since. And that's what I do now. So I do punch and roll via OSEN Audio. And then when I finish a chapter, I save it then I will reopen the WAV file into Audacity because I'm better at editing in Audacity than I am in OSIN. So I I edit and put my heads and tails and stuff for the publisher in, and then I just save it as a WAV file, then I get to just drop it into FTP, and it's all, it's gone. I'm going to have to check that out because I'm still using the clicker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I never learned punch and roll. Yes. Um, it's, it's about as easy. When I, I was nervous about it, and when I first used it, I thought it did. There's no, it can't be this easy. There's some, there's a, there's a trick, you know, something's going to happen at the end of the chapter and it's going to blow up in my face. And <laughs> it's just, it's just really easy. All right. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Okay. Save some time. Thank you. You're welcome. So when you're, um, when you're starting a new book, how many hours a day do you spend recording on average? I record because of my lifestyle and the what uh, Ann Richardson calls uh, the rhythm of your home and the rhythm of your neighborhood. So everybody knows that, you know, you have to have quiet. I mean, nobody I know has a absolutely, totally soundproof from the outside booth. Um, so you have to be available and you have to make things work uh, for you and whatever your family's got going. You're not recording while everybody's getting ready for school or um, mom, mom's doing a wash downstairs and any, anything like that. So you have to make amends and you have to find your time and your schedule when it works for you. So for me, I record between 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. I try to get, um, at least an hour and a half of finished audio done every day. And, um, I time it, you know, based on what time I get up to how much time I, I need to have in the booth. Once I get that hour and a half done, I stop it wherever the chapter ends, whether it be an hour and 22 minutes or an hour and 34 minutes, or sometimes it's an hour and 18 minutes. I just stop at a comfortable spot and uh, I move on. See you tomorrow. Wow. 1 a.m. 
that's dedication. I mean, that's like a whole other schedule. Yeah. But I'm a morning person. I always have been. I, I work shift work for 30 years. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's just easy for me. Um, it's, and it's, and because I'm someone who is excited about getting in the booth to do the next book, it's energizing. I'm like, okay, good. I get to get up early in the morning. It's like getting up Christmas morning every morning. <laughs> nice. Uh, now, do you do your own editing or do you hire out? If, if I'm, if I'm working for a publisher, they do everything. I send it to them. They will send me uh, a list of pickups and they'll send me a voice match file that I'll get to listen to so I can hear which character it was or was it my neutral narration, whatever it was. And then I'll, all I have to do is send them the full sentences that need to be fixed. Um, and then I send it back to them and then they do all the editing and mastering and it's done. Nice. If I'm doing it for ACX, then yes, I do all my own editing and I do all my own mastering. Okay. Do you use positive? But I have, I have the best proofer in the world. She is my wife. Ah. And I taught her to proof by teaching her how to pick fly shit out of pepper. <laughs> and if you've ever done that, you know, it's very tedious and it's a very detailed job. So, um, uh, yep. It's something that she does. She does well. And she and my daughter giggle when they get to say, <laughs> daddy made another mistake. Um, so it's, you know, um, uh, it's a family business. She actually got, she actually got so busy doing other people's work that I had to get in line, which I wasn't real happy about, but Hey, it happens. And, um, I use her to proof. I, I recommend everyone find someone else to proof. You mm -hmm. didn't catch the mistake the first time you ain't catching it the next time. So um, that's just a natural thing of talking and doing audiobooks. Uh, but yeah, once she's given me my list, um, uh, I don't ask her for a voice match file because I have them all anyways. I just, she gives me a, an Excel spreadsheet, a uh, highlighted PDF with, uh, she highlights the sentence that needs to be replaced and I go through it and replace them all. Then I, then I master them. Oh, that's an amazing setup you've got. Like it's all just gelled and I love the, the tedium and the Excel spreadsheets and I, I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. And so in my part of the world, it is fall allergy season and we're mm -hmm. seeing a lot in the Facebook group about, I can't breathe today and I have an audition and it, you know, I, I don't know how it is down in Tennessee, but um, when you hit that allergy season or flu season and, and you're sick and you need to get back at it fast. Do you have any tips or tricks to share? You know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I grew up in South Florida, um, left there when I was 18 to go into the service and then kind of moved around, uh, between South Carolina and Tennessee and everywhere I went had pollen and nastiness and I've never been affected by it. However, in 2018, after, Tantor hired me for their first job. I began using a neti pot every day. Mm -hmm. And then about mm, a year ago, I started using the nasal navage and I use it every day. It kept me from COVID. It kept me from, it's kept me from colds since I, since 2018, I've never had a sore throat. And you couple that with um, hydration every day. 
uh, normal hydration of the, you know, the standard eight to 12, eight ounce glasses of water, whatever you, you need to con, you know, consume. Um, I've never had a problem. Wow. So I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. No, you are. You just answered the question. Everybody needs to get themselves in a Vajan <laughs> and use it every day. <laughs> it's worked for me really, really well. All right. Uh, I'm going to turn things over to NJ. Well, hi, Rodney. I haven't gotten to talk yet. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too, Jen. Thanks so much for joining us. So uh, we're just clipping along here fabulously. So you've mentioned ACX several times as a place where you find audiobooks. Um, are you, I understand you are established and you have been doing very well for yourself. So I'm sure some people come to you, but are you still, or earlier on, were you direct marketing? Were you reaching out to, I don't know, authors directly, production uh, or publishing companies, excuse me. Uh, what ways were you acquiring projects? Well, I, I strictly was an ACX um, customer, so to speak. Okay. Um, I did my auditions through ACX. Um, I was getting enough work through ACX. When I reached about 25 books um, in that first year, um, we had here in Middle Tennessee the pleasure of having Andy Arndt visit. Andy is a prolific narrator. She also has her own production company. Um, uh, that produces um, audiobooks. And she was in town to assist, uh, I think, a narrator with a book he was doing on Tom T. Hall. And um, while she was here, she offered up to one of the local coaches an opportunity to do a session on audiobooks. So I jumped on that opportunity. She um, taught probably about a about a dozen of us. And I asked the question of her. So I got 25 books under my belt. How do I get out of ACX and start getting uh, publishers? And she looked straight me straight in the eye and said, you need to join the APA and you need to go to APAC. Okay. Um, everything with audiobooks and everything you'll do is all about the relationships you build between yourself and the publishers. And every Every audiobook publisher attends APAC. Now, this is pre-COVID, so mm -hmm. it was different at that time. It was always held at the Javits Center in New York, and it was held at the same time of the Massive Book Expo. And um, the APA would, uh, I guess, rent space associated with it. And you'd come and you'd learn for a day. Then they had the Audis, which is the Oscars of audiobooks. And they would have that um, event, which is a huge celebration and event of, of great narrators and great books. And um, then, you know, everyone would go home. So Johnny Heller began putting a thing together, took advantage of it, and put a thing together the day before he called it, I think, something like his splendiferous workshop or something like that. <laughs> and then, um, uh, then the 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 night of the Audis, uh, he and an, another narrator called, um, uh, have would would rent out a bar or have space in a bar and called it the Naughties in A U D I N. Where those those of us who um, were not fortunate enough to be nominated and were not attending 
the gala would uh, go and uh, party and uh, drink and be merry until all our friends who won awards would show up at the same event and then we could celebrate everybody together. Um, uh, but when you go to a, the, when you join the APA, you are joining a very large group of, uh, of narrators and publishers. Um, and all the publishers show up and a lot of narrators show up. Um, and I think now, subsequent to COVID, we're on a, I think we're on a rotation of in-person one year and then virtual the next. So I think this next year is going to be virtual, but I haven't heard from Michelle Cobb, who is the uh, executive director. I mean, when I say I haven't heard, she doesn't call me directly, but I just haven't seen anything on the site. No, I think you're right, though. I think you're right. So um, I think that's how that's going to go. And then we will continue to, you know, move forward like we always move forward. But you have to build those relationships. My first time was 2016, and I uh, and and it was in Chicago, um, and they were on a five years in New York, one year somewhere else rotation. But that's because that's what Book Expo did. Mm-hmm, so they mm-hmm. just followed Book Expo around. Um, so um, 2017, I went again in New York. Um, then I went again in 2018 and then that summer Tantor called me and I've been busy ever since. Okay. Okay. Are you still with ACX or have you mostly? Sure. I have a profile there. I have a, I have a profile on find away voices. I have, uh, I have a profile on, uh, Ahab, uh, talent.com. I think that's the, the site now. Um, and I get work from wherever it comes. Okay. Well, so with that, how do you choose which books you want to work on? I mean, you're so busy. It sounds like you get to, (laughs) you kind of have the authority. Uh, Is it, you know, based on subject authors you've worked with before? Is it price? How do you decide what books to work on right now? Well, well, I have my, I have my rate and, and it is my rate period. And that's, that's it. I just, I was reached out to Three four months ago, uh, by a company I never heard of. I thought mm-hmm. it was a spam. I thought it was spam. I thought, oh great, spam. But I decided, okay, let me go ahead and respond to them like I would normally do professionally. Hi, how are you? I'm interested, but could you tell me a little bit more about your company? Um, do you have a, a website somewhere I can visit? Blah blah blah. Well, they were a small company doing a doing a book, and they were also, I guess, trying to put it into a movie. And it was going to have more than one narrator, um, but I was the first, and they wanted me to audition. I said, okay, I'm happy to audition. Send me what you want me to audition for. Um, and I'm always happy to audition. I, you know, ever since I heard at Voice VO Atlanta, I heard the voice of Porky Pig say that he has to audition every year. I thought, well, if he can audition, who the heck am I to say, you know, I shouldn't have to audition. So I'm happy to audition anytime. Um, so... Um, they sent me the copy. I auditioned. Uh, they set up another Zoom set, call with the author. Um, I read some more for her. Um, they decided. I told them what my rate was. They asked me if there was any wiggle room. I said no. They said, okay, we'll get back to you. And then they hired me. Um, so I, I um, sometimes books come to me um, and I'll say no just because of content. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there are some things I just won't do. Um, okay. Um, and, and you have to draw your line wherever it is. But once you draw your line, don't move it because then you become a moving target and nobody knows what you're willing to do and what you're not. And if you draw your line, you decide to move it, then let everybody know you've moved your line. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, it's just a, to me, it's just an integrity and, uh, kind of thing, uh, within the community. I think that's, I think that's an important thing. We, you know, people have asked us, um, we find ourselves all three of us in sort of a mentoring situation often. And people will say, I, you know, really got this, I got this audition. Um, maybe it's a political ad, for example, and the price is right, but I'm struggling with the message or, you know, um, sure. Whatever. And so you're just reiterating the importance of you're in control. It's your business. Right. You choose what you want to do. And you said it earlier on the projects that are right for you will find you and, you know, and you also just don't want to live with the ew, the icky, if it doesn't sit yeah, right you, with you, right? You want to have, you, you want to make sure that you're okay with yep. your voice being associated with whatever that project is. I love that. So, Rodney, another thing which I'm sure you're fantastic uh, at is you started coaching, or maybe you've been doing it for a while. So, forgive me if I'm uh, ignorant on that point. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? That's really a misnomer. I, okay. I meant. I mentor. I don't coach. Okay. Um, I, I will coach some people if they'll just call if they just call me up one off and hey, I just want to spend an hour with you to talk and and okay. you've got to take my money. Okay, I'll take your money and we'll talk. <laughs> um, um, I do coach. I I do coach for David H. Lawrence and his Vo Heroes group. Um, Excellent. But that's just a. Uh, uh, but I've had to. I had to suspend that for some personal reasons. Okay. Um, I do coach here in Middle Tennessee for um, Christy Bowen, um, who runs the TNVO uh, Studios. We um, love Christy. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Um, but I only teach introduction to audiobooks. And okay. that's beginning, you know, how to get into it, how to avoid the pitfalls, that kind of thing. Um, so that's where, that's if, if I'm a coach, I coach people, brand new people how to get started. That's what my, my podcast at the time was all about. I had to stop that for personal, same personal reasons as well. Um, okay. But for, I guess, three years, I was able to pu uh, publish the podcast on a weekly basis. Um, I watched social media. And if you watch Facebook and if you've been involved in audiobooks, you can, you know, early on, I want to say in 2015, 16, 17, um, some audiobook narrators, while they're nice people, sometimes they get impatient with new mm -hmm. new folks. Um, so a new folk, new person in February will say, "Hey, how? Hey, I'm, I've been told I have a great voice. How do I get started in audiobooks?" So someone will answer, and then someone in late March will say the same thing. Yeah, and someone will get angry and say, "You know, why don't you use this search function and?" Don't bother us with that kind of stuff. So I thought, you know, there's got to be a way for new people to go somewhere where they can listen to all the same questions that they have in their head. How do I get started? What kind of equipment do I need? How do I find a space? How do I find work? 
Um, how do I get involved in this? Uh, you know, how do I make it work? How do I become successful? So I started interviewing narrators of all stripes, um, from the golden voices to uh, folks that had had six books under their belt. And I posted it and it seemed to be fairly popular at the time. Um, I'm sorry I had to stop it, but um, I still get people every now and then send me an email and say, hey, you're going to start that thing up again? And and I'm considering it, but, you know, you got to do life too. Well, just be a resource over in VO Booth Besties Facebook group. We'd love to Happy have you to join be. us over there and we would... We would love to send people your way since this is a specialty and you have a very kind heart to help people. So that's happy to do so. Yeah. Come on over. So we'll just, gosh, this has been fantastic. I've just got two more questions for okay. you. Um, so to the point with new narrators, do you have maybe, I don't know, three, five kind of easy tips for folks who are thinking about, um, or maybe they're transitioning. Maybe they are working voice actors, but they're like, ah, like JT, like she's like, ah, I don't really want to get into audiobooks, but maybe she's thinking about it. Do you have maybe a few top tips for folks? Sure. Um, become a great researcher. Mm-hmm. You, you become a great researcher, then you will be able to find everything you need for the for the audio for to be a successful audiobook narrator because you will have to find uh, a, a quiet space and good equipment you'll have to find quality coaching mm-hmm. then you'll need to learn to be patient be persistent and consistent and most of all be reliable oh that's good okay and if and if something happens and this happened to me uh two years ago um, I got in the booth in sometime in March, was recording, and I found that my voice started to fail um, after about an hour in the booth. And I thought, eh, just a bad day. Got in the booth, and, and as time went by, it got to be where I could be in the booth for about 15 minutes, and I couldn't utter anything other than a whisper. So off to the Vanderbilt Vocal Clinic, I went and found that I had uh, something wrong with one of my vocal cords. Um, so they had to do some surgery. Um, I had to be out. I immediately reached out to everybody I had work pending for um, and told them, hey, here's what's going on. They were all kind. But for a long time, I was just out of work, period. But, and I since have built that back up, but sometimes it's okay. You take the break, you heal, then you move on. And, um, I've become reliable again. And, um, you know, I know that uh, my authors and, uh, um, at least Tantor can trust me and uh, they do, they reach out to me. And then, you know, when I find another publisher, they'll discover the same thing. And that all goes back to the point that we make and that you've made over and over is the importance of relationship because yeah. you have that. They, there is trust. There is respect. There is, yeah, hey, you know what? You got some stuff going on. We, we know you're good. You know, yeah. give, and that, that all happens with solid relationships. So Yeah, and, and let me mention that about social media. Please yeah. know that when you're in a narrator book group, I don't care what narrator group you think you're in, that's private. It's not. Mm-hmm. 
There are many, many authors that lurk in narrator groups. Yep. And when you decide that you want to make fun of your author in a narrator group because you think you're at the bar and just talking between you and two or three buddies and you're going to make fun of the uh, mistakes they made in their script and how you had to fix them, that author just watched you do that and that author's going to remember you. And that publisher's watched you do that. And that publisher's going to remember you. And when you stop getting work, you might want to go back and say, hmm, what did I do? Because they're not always going to tell you. It's just going to happen, and you're not going to know why. I think that is probably the number one tip everyone, voiceover or otherwise, could could use and should, should remember because oh my there's, gosh yeah there's what never happens, a bad time the internet stays yeah there's never a bad time to be kind i love it i love it well rodney i oh my goodness this has been outstanding um i've also just enjoyed hearing you talk so you get the it, you've got a good voice award for the day because <laughs> thank you very, very much relaxing and enjoying. um <laughs> So I, we've made it an hour. Thank you to everyone who showed up. We're going to get better at this LinkedIn live audio thing, I promise. So just keep hanging with us, folks. Um, we appreciate you being here. And those who are listening to the podcast, thank you also. Um, we Before we go, we like to ask our guests kind of three for fun questions, James Lipton okay. style. Um, so our first question is, what singer, band, or composer are you listening to right now? Who do you like? I like Asleep at the Wheel. Oh, yeah. I know them. Very good. Uh, are you a podcast listener? Um, No. Okay. So I'm going to skip number two. But I, I do listen to audiobooks, though. Okay. Oh, you know what? All right. Let's, let's, let's go there. What's the uh, most recent audiobook you've listened to? The audiobook I'm listening to right now is The Count of Monte Cristo. A class. Oh, oh, AB is her, you you've you've won that her is, over. That is one of my all-time favorite books. Yes. Love 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 love. I've never yeah, listened to the audiobook, which is weird because well, I'm an audiobook well, girl, but I've read um, it like four times. And it's hang on a second and I'll get you the the narrator. It's <laughs> it's being narrated by several it the Count of Monte Cristo is under several different narrators, um, but this particular narrator is uh, the one I like the best. Um, and I listened to samples of a handful of them before I, I chose this one. Um, his name is John Lee. John Lee. Okay. And he can go, he goes between the French and the English and uh, the Spaniards, I mean, with such ease, it's just amazing. Nice. All right. Take note, everyone. John Lee's version of <laughs> Count of Monte Cristo. And our last question, which really, mm -hmm. for many people, is very challenging. What is your favorite dessert? Oh, that's simple. My wife's okay. banana pudding. Oh, oh. excellent. I just made, I had a load, a load of frozen rotten bananas and i just did not make banana pudding but i made a ton of banana bread so. banana bread there you go if you can't yes. make banana pudding you can always make banana there bread you go. <laughs> well thank you so much rodney ab i'm going to turn it over to you all right uh 
Thank you to everybody joining us live today. And a special, of course, thank you to Rodney. If you are listening. Oh, well, thank you. If you are listening to our podcast after the fact, feel free to join us live on Zoom every, not on Zoom, join us on LinkedIn every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And meanwhile, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. If you missed a live episode, you can always catch the recording later on on our website, boothbesties.com or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We would love it if you would hop on any platform and leave us a review because those help us reach more listeners who are looking for great, for great voiceover content. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Once again, make sure you're signed up for our VO Booth Besties newsletter so you know what's coming up in the week ahead. And bonus, no, we took off the bonus. The bonus is you get to join us on LinkedIn Live every week. <laughs> Sorry. The bonus is that every Monday we're offering an accountability group, and that is really awesome. There's two separate options for you. One is 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern. That's hosted by the fabulous Nevin Stoltz, as well as a second group that meets at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, headed up by Jess Matheson. It's a great place to set goals and and work through them together or just to get stuff done and have somebody to be accountable to. And there is a small bonus. If you saw our newsletter this week or if you've been following along on the Facebook group, Saturday, we have an animation workshop with Voice Match Animation Pro and the voice of Disney, Ashley Adler. Registration closes tomorrow, but bonus, the workshop is half off. So check out the events page at boothbesties.com and sign up for the workshop. Um, next Thursday, we're going to be joined by Fanny Raybalt to talk about dubbing, which is an amazing topic. Thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, all. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.